power of words, uh, which is inspired by Proverbs 18 that says the tongue has the power of life or death. So to uh, catch you up from what we've been talking about, the first week, Pastor Nate was talking about our words have the power to be poisonous or to be life-giving. Um, and last week, Pastor Mike was talking about gossip and saying that we want to be caught talking about people in positive ways rather than negative ways. And today, we're going to talk about the power of the words of forgiveness. And there is so much we can talk about um, that has to do with forgiveness. But I believe God wants us to walk away with this idea today, that some of the most powerful words that you can say to someone is, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. This releases people from guilt, shame, and hurt, and God wants us to experience that freedom and that healing that comes from those words. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but I've been hurt before. Have you been hurt? Um, I've been hurt so badly at times that I would cry myself to sleep multiple days in a row, or I would be boiling with anger because I was so hurt, or I would have this weight on me that I couldn't shake until I talked to the person and they apologized, or the other way around where I was the person that caused that to someone, I hurt them, and then I saw them released from that pain when I apologized to them. Forgiveness is so powerful. And I want to tell you the time a year ago where I had to apologize to someone, and it's really embarrassing, but I feel like God wanted me to share it this morning, so bear with me, okay? Um, about a year ago, um, my husband and I were running errands, and I had just started carrying around granola bars to hand out to people um, that were in need that I would see on the street. And um, on this rainy day, um, I see a man holding a cardboard sign, and I'm like, this is my opportunity. And my husband and I, we didn't really communicate well because the light turned green and he started going forward. But I didn't want to miss my opportunity, so I took the granola bar and I threw it at the man. And I did not mean to do that, but it was just like a gut reaction. And it hit, maybe hit him in the stomach or the face, I don't know. But whatever it did, I felt so bad, you guys, so bad. I was like, that's not how I imagined giving away this, these granola bars. Um, so we, my husband, he, he went into the store, and I was like, I just need to sit in the car for a minute because I just felt so guilty, so ugly, so shameful because I wanted to honor him and show him dignity in the moment, but I did the exact opposite. I treated him like an animal, and I was just like, God, I feel so bad. And I feel like God spoke to me and said, if you really feel bad, why don't you go find him and apologize? And I was like, whoa, 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 God. Um... I feel awkward now and uncomfortable. I don't know if I should do that. But the more I sat there, I was like, yeah, that's the best thing that I could do. So I didn't even tell my husband I was leaving. I just got in the driver's seat and I drove away to go find this man. And he was still on division. I parked, get out of my car, and imagine it is just pouring rain, you guys. And cars are just splashing rain on us, so we're just dripping. And people are staring at us. And it's like that, that scene in the movie The Notebook where you, they're just drenched in rain. I mean, it wasn't as sexy as that, but it was still, we were just wet. And I didn't care. I just was looking for him. And I was like, oh, hey, hey, OK, you're still here. Um, remember the person that, that threw the granola bar at you earlier? Yeah, that was me. And I'm so sorry. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. And he could have thrown the granola bar right back at my face. He could have let me have it. But instead, he said, I forgive you. 
And that moment was so powerful because it released me from that guilt and shame and that heaviness that I was carrying. And I realized more deeply than ever before the power in those words. Because if he didn't give those to me, I would have continued to feel so guilty. Um, Forgiveness is powerful, you guys. And forgiveness is a huge part of our faith. Think about it. It's one of, uh, our faith is one of the only ones in the world religions that hinges on forgiveness. God gives us forgiveness, and then he asks us to give it to other people as well. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is such a simple statement, but it's so hard to forgive. And I just wonder, why do we wrestle with forgiveness so much? We look at God and we say, yeah, God, I'll receive all the forgiveness you give to me. Like, yes, pour it on. But then when it comes to us extending it to other people, we're like, oh, I don't know about that. We need to connect these ideas. God forgives us, so we're meant to forgive other people. That's why it says in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have what? Sinned against us. Yeah, God literally offers forgiveness to anyone for anything. And yet we're over here like, mm, I don't know if I want to forgive that person. They were two and a half minutes late to our meeting. Yes, I was counting, and yes, I'm mad. We cross our arms, right? And we hold grudges. And yet Jesus extends his arms literally on the cross to extend forgiveness to us all. Why are our hearts so bent towards unforgiveness? What is happening inside of us that is so different than what's happening inside the heart of God? And where do we need a heart check today? I'm preaching to myself as well, by the way. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this, Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. How true is that? Forgiveness is hard. And I have struggled with forgiving people many times in my life, which I'm sure many of you have as well. Um, I think of two people in particular at different times in my life during my um, teen years that both painfully rejected me as their friend, like kicked me to the curb. I was so confused and hurt. I felt like they treated me like I was worthless, disposable, um, and insignificant. And I remember crying for days and being so confused and trying to continue the the friendship, and they were just like, didn't want to be my friend anymore, and I am still working through those insecurities today. Um, Maybe you're struggling with something uh, to forgive someone that made you feel like trash, like those friends did to me. And maybe they made you feel like all you were good for was to be thrown away. Maybe it was a family member, a spouse, or a friend, whatever it is. I get it. Forgiveness is hard. For me, it's been hard to forgive those who have treated me poorly based on the color of my skin rather than the content of my character. The racist comments I've received, uh, people judging me, talking down to me, making hurtful comments, racist jokes, um, calling me names, and disapproving my choice to marry a white man. The racism I have experienced has made me feel like less than human insecure on how God has made me and has broken down my self-worth and self-esteem. Maybe you haven't experienced racism, but maybe you've experienced someone treating you like less than human. Maybe it was through abuse or through bullying. 
and you still feel the pain like it happened yesterday, and you're still working through that trauma because it changes everything, how you view yourself, how you view other people in the world can really do a lot of damage. And God knows that whatever we're wrestling with to forgive people for, he knows that it's hard. And he believes it's not just a matter of getting over something. And that we need him and the work of his Holy Spirit within us to give us strength to forgive people who have hurt us so much. And he is the one who makes it possible. Amen? Because when we embrace forgiveness... We embrace freedom. And I have felt this freedom before, and God wants you to feel it as well. When I was at my lowest and it was dark and painful, God brought me into his light and reminded me of what is true. So the times where I felt like trash, God reminded me that I am his treasure. And the times that I felt less than human, God reminded me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, as his word says, and that diversity was his idea. And and creating different ethnicities was part of his good creation. And as you embark on the journey of forgiveness, what idea, what truth from God's word do you need to embrace for yourself today? Is it that you're loved? or valuable, that you have a purpose and that God has a dream for your life? What is it? Let God speak to you and let him set you free. Jesus has some good stuff to say about forgiveness, you guys. Um, One of Jesus' first teachings is about how it's our responsibility to think about the people that we know we've wronged and to go Talk to them. Go apologize. He doesn't start his teachings with saying, okay, you can, you know, cross your arms and think about all the people that hurt you and then wait for them to come to you. No, he's saying, go to them. Um, And in Matthew 5, that's where we're going to read it, he uses a language that his audience would understand. The Jewish people listening to him, they would go to synagogues and bring their gifts to the altar um, to give to God as they worship. And sometimes they would have to walk hours or days in order to get to these places. Um, And it's like us, that driving a distance in our car to get to a church, you stand in the front row, you wave an offering in front of God, like that's what he's, he's picturing here. So that's what they would do, except on foot. So in Matthew 5, 23, it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying the greater need in your spirit is to go get right with someone instead of worshiping in church and pretending like nothing's wrong when you know that something's wrong. And when the people heard Jesus say this, they were probably like, say what, Jesus? Like, whoa, That is a big sacrifice. You know how long it takes for us to get here, and you're telling us to go back and then come back. That is too much. That is how serious Jesus was about reconciliation and making our relationships right. He didn't care. He doesn't care if we're inconvenienced or uncomfortable. He cares about us doing what's right. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, man, I know I got to go talk to someone right now. You don't have to go right now. You can wait until after service. You don't need to leave. See how this ends, you know, before you leave. Um, God cares about our relationships with one another, not just our relationship with him. 
Um, it's kind of like a mom who has multiple children, and she cares not just about her individual relationship with all of them, but their relationships with one another. That's what God sees us, and he wants us to pursue reconciliation. And when we do, he is at work within our efforts. Even if the person doesn't immediately forgive us, God is at work in their hearts. Something is happening. And I believe it takes a strong person to forgive, but it takes an even stronger person to ask for forgiveness. It's not a matter of weakness, um, but it shows your strength. And it shows your maturity in Christ. Because forgiving and people ask for forgiveness is a maturity that we can all benefit from cultivate, cultivating as we mature in Christ. So there is nothing more Christ-like than being a person of forgiveness. So you may not fall into the camp of needing uh, to forgive someone because you might be like good with every single person on planet Earth. Kudos to you. But I want to say Matthew 18 has something for you. Matthew 18 is a guide for maintaining healthy relationships. Pastor Mike touched on it last week, this passage, and it's about conflict resolution in healthy ways. Um, and the context is within the church, but it can be applied to all relationships as well um, because in the church we're like a family, right? And families work things out, talk things out. So these are the steps um, that Jesus lays out here in Matthew 18, 15. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So here are the steps Jesus is laying out. He's saying, if a Christian has, if you consider them sinned against, you need to go to them in private. In private. And if you talk it out with them and that's not really working out, bring one or two trusted people and you talk it out there. And then if that's not working, oh, Lord, if that's not working, then you can bring the whole church into it. It's a matter of church discipline. But usually it works out within the first or second step there uh, to work things out. So this is the healthy way to go about conflict resolution. Gossip isn't the healthy way to go about it, but talking to them. And these tools are incredibly useful. This reminds me of a time uh, a couple of months ago where um, there was someone that really hurt me, embarrassed me in front of a group of people, and I didn't let time pass before I said, hey, pull them aside, let's talk about this. They apologized, we talked it out, and I took these steps. And these steps take courage. It's kind of nerve-wracking. I was literally shaking when I approached this person because I don't like conflict. So um, I talked to them, we worked it out, and things got better. And God wants us to take those steps and to have courage as we do that, no matter how hard it can be. And to talk to people as soon as possible. Because you want to know what happens when we wait too long? The grudges start. It starts to fester. It starts to get worse. We start to amplify it in our minds of, like, it, it becomes way bigger and way worse than it actually was if you just, like, nip it right before it gets there. And you guys know what I'm talking about. When there's different grudges and conflicts going on, like, 
Has anyone ever had a college roommate? If we have college students anywhere in here, I know what that is like when you are living with someone, you're butting heads, they're getting on your nerves all day, every day, and you're not talking to them. I made that mistake. I did not talk to my roommate about the issues that were coming up, and the grudges got worse and worse. Or maybe there's a coworker that you have, um, and they just... You know, you just have problems with them, and you haven't talked to them about it yet, and it's getting worse with those grudges. Or maybe in, in marriage, or parents and children, and working those things out, or maybe with in-laws, you know, those that you only see in the holidays, and the grudges and the tensions and the conflicts get worse and worse over time instead of trying to talk it out and make it better. Thanksgiving is coming, you guys, so you got some time to work this stuff out. Grudges and unforgiveness keep us in bondage. And we're in a spiritual war, you guys. The enemy is at work. He wants to still kill and destroy. He wants to derail us. Anytime he sees anything in our relationships that's godly or fruitful or healthy, he's like, oh, no, I got to put an end to this. I got to plant some seeds of lies and bitterness and create these grudges because we don't want people to be happy. Like, he wants to destroy those things and derail us. And when we hold grudges against someone, it festers. And it creates hate within us. And as Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Grudges lead to footholds. What is a foothold? A foothold is the first step in the devil keeping you in bondage. Do you feel bitterness towards someone? The devil has a foothold. Do you feel angry at someone right now? The devil has a foothold. He wants to weasel his way into all of our relationships, into the church, into our families, into the lives of children. He wants to destroy these things. He's seeking out opportunities. He drools over opportunities of like, oh, there was a misunderstanding here. Maybe I can plant a lie in someone's mind, and then the grudge will happen, the festering will happen, the hatred, and it's just going to go worse and worse until bitterness takes its course. Don't let him get away with that, you guys. We are smarter than that. We have spiritual eyes to see what the enemy is up to. And we are victorious in Christ. And when we don't forgive, we are the true prisoners. And our hearts become more hard and cold. And it, we need to have regular heart checks with Jesus. Okay? As that passage says, don't go to bed with a grudge in your heart. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Which that suggests to me, every night as you go to bed, be like, okay, God, um, what's going on in my heart? What's, do I have something against someone? I mean, I don't know if I do, but you reveal it to me. Bring me into your light. And it's, it's an indicator if you hear someone's name, you see them, you're kind of like, that's an indication that something is wrong you feel that way. So just ask Jesus and work it out in your heart every day with him. So with everything we've discussed, I think it's fair to say that as Christians, we should strive to be unoffendable people. Our culture thrives off of being offended about everything and anything. Like, we find minor things to be offended about. Like, we can think, oh, someone cut me off in traffic. Oh, I'm mad. I'm offended. Or someone didn't make my coffee right. I'm offended. Like, all of these things. I think God is just calling us to be people with thick skin 
and soft hearts and to just let stuff go. Um, on the Bible app, I read a devotional about being unoffendable, and one line said, we should decide in our hearts before the day even starts um, to forgive people of their offenses. So like walking into your day of like, okay, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if someone's going to hurt me. But before it even happens, I forgive them. Like that's incredible perspective to walk into your day with. I also think children give us a great example of what it looks like to forgive. Have you ever seen kids playing and then they get in a fight and then they get over it and they keep playing? It's amazing. Like we should be like that. Like just keep playing like kids. Like, okay. Like that's awesome. Let's be people that are known for our radical forgiveness, that are known to just let things go, to talk it out, to have courage. Let's be people known for that instead of the opposite. It makes me think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Um, this is in Genesis. He is known for many things, his beautiful coat that his father gave him, his 12 brothers, but also he's known for being sold into slavery and being abandoned by his brothers. And then much time passes, a lot of things happen, God's at work, and he forgives his brothers. If, you, if you're not familiar with this story, I'd recommend going to Genesis and reading it. But it is profound. It's radical. The forgiveness that Joseph gives his brothers it makes me wonder, if I was in that situation, would I forgive them? Like by, the, by God's spirit, I hope so. But he is just, that is radical, radical forgiveness. Or a more recent example is a mother named Barbara Manji. She forgave uh, the man who murdered her 25-year-old daughter. Um, and she believed, like, through a lot of pain and wrestling, that because of her faith, she was meant to forgive him. So they've been writing letters to one another for the past five years as he's in prison and um, she's at home. And she's written a book on forgiveness and the power and the freedom that she's experienced because she didn't let that pain and weight hold her down anymore. Or an even more recent example, um, just from this week, is 18-year-old Brant Jean forgiving police officer Amber Geiger for killing his brother. Um, this is all over the internet, and it's a profound moment where they're in court, and he is just so, there's a lot going on in his mind, but he says, you know, this is hard, but I, I forgive you. And what I want for you is to know Christ. And then they share this powerful hug that's incredible. I recommend you look it up. These are cases of radical forgiveness. These are people whose hearts are so in tune with God, they're like, forgiving is the best option here. And we can be those people as well, no matter the circumstance. So do you know who else is the ultimate model for forgiveness? Who is it in the Bible? Does anyone know? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus models forgiveness on the cross, you guys. Um, he takes reconciliation so seriously. Just imagine him on the cross, okay? He is up there. He's being beaten, spat on, insults, clothes ripped off of him. And he is just like probably the worst pain he's ever felt in his life. And you know what he says in response to this? He doesn't go, oh, I'm offended with these people. No, he says in Luke 23, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. How incredible and radical is that forgiveness? If he can do that, then so can we. And as Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus chose forgiveness. He chose to forgive us, redeem us, to pour it out lavishly. And he models a way for us to do that as well. And if you don't know Jesus here today, I would want to recommend get to know him. That is the best thing that you could do. Because there is too much at stake for us not to be people of forgiveness. There's too much at stake as us as a body of believers to not lead the way in the world for what it looks like to be forgiving. What if Jesus chose not to forgive us? How tragic would that be? And I believe he's looking back at us and saying, how tragic would it be if you, my people, weren't people of forgiveness? Imagine what it would be like if we are people that just carry around such grace and compassion and mercy and love, no matter the circumstance, where we don't even hesitate to forgive. It's not even a thought of, am I going to forgive this person? No, it's, of course, I'm going to forgive you. Because when people look at you, they see what God is like. They will be like, okay, this is radical. The way you forgave me, the way you overlooked this offense— who are you? What is going on inside you? What makes you different? And that's when you can glorify God and point to him and be like, yeah, because of my faith in God and the forgiveness that he gives me, I freely extend it to other people. As people of faith, we are called to be dispensers of grace. What are you going to do when you walk out of here today? Are you going to choose forgiveness? Here's how you do it. You prayerfully walk towards it and you talk to the person with courage and grace and strength and you pray for God to help you and then you let it go. Um, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting, but to let it go, okay? And then you want to repeat that if the feelings start coming back, which they probably will. If you see the person, if you hear their name, you're just like, oh, I still have something going on in my heart. Repeat the process again and again and invite God into it. And he's at work. Freedom is waiting, you guys. Reconciliation is waiting. And so is peace and joy and that freedom that is beyond understanding. Will you join God in that today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God of forgiveness, that you give us forgiveness when we don't deserve it, as that song said, and that you, your love for us is radical. Lord, we ask you um, to help us be people of forgiveness. Whatever the circumstance, Lord, turn our hearts towards you. Maybe you're here and you're like, that's just too hard. I don't know if I can do that, I don't know if I have the strength to do it or the desire or the will. God, give us that today. Help us align with you and your heart and your desire for us. Because on the other side of it, what you are wishing so deeply for us is to experience that freedom with you. God, we want that for ourselves. Just show us how, Lord. Help us take those steps in courage. Help us not feel stirring today and then tomorrow be like, oh, I don't know if I, if I can do that. God, give us strength by your Holy Spirit, we ask. And if you're in here this morning and you do not know Jesus and you want to get to know him, you want to put your hope and your faith in him, then pray this with me. God, I want to follow you. I believe in you. 
I want to receive the forgiveness that you give for my sins, and I want this, this strength by your Holy Spirit to be able to forgive others. God, show me the way. Show me how to do that. And God, I know that your word says, um, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord and that you've been raised from the dead, that I will be saved. God, I put my trust in you today. And I want to pursue you and understand what it means to walk this life with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you prayed that prayer, that is the best decision you could ever make. And I would love to talk with you right now. Um, we have First Connect over under this monitor, so if you are new to the church or if you just said that prayer, come uh, talk with me and Jacob, and if you have any prayer needs, um, our prayer team will be over there. All right, God bless you guys. See you next time.